for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lucy and I am part of the ministry team here at New Peninsula. Welcome this morning and welcome to those of you joining us online. It's fabulous to have you with us this morning. Um, Now, I have a question to ask you. Have you ever had to teach something with a sense of urgency? Do I have any teachers in the room? Or ex-teachers? You may have been a teacher in your past. No? A few? A few people subtly putting their hands up. Clearly, they did not take note when they asked people in their classes to put their hands up. Hands up, people. Hands up. No. Uh, There we go. Oh, there's a few. I see that hand. I see that hand. Uh, Let me tell you about something that I get up to uh, every year in one of the school holidays. I'm part of a program called Broadway in a Week, where uh, with Gateway Theatre Company down in Seaford, we gather 40-odd young people and we endeavour to teach them an entire Broadway show in five days. That is teaching with a sense of urgency, let me tell you, because not only do we actually... So we do do some of the stuff beforehand, We audition the kids earlier in the year. They receive their part. They they know if they get a part or not, um, or or if they're part of the ensemble or one of our specialist dancers. Uh, They also receive their script and their score. So they're expected to come knowing their lines, or at least the majority of them, uh, and also understanding the music that they're going to sing. They may need to learn their harmonies and things, but they come with basic knowledge. My part of the production is that I am the choreographer. They don't learn any dance before they come. They come with no prior knowledge of any of the movement that they have to do on the stage. And when I say we have five days to learn the whole show, really we have about two. Because you have to teach it all to them, then you have to practice it, then you have to practice it in costume with lights and sound, and then you have to perform it. We start on the Monday, on Friday night, we do our first performance. It's teaching with urgency. The passage we are looking at at the moment in 2 Timothy is Paul's letter of urgency. Paul, this is, uh, 2 Timothy is believed to be Paul's last message that he wrote, uh, his last letter, Um, and it was written not from the comfort of home imprisonment that he'd been in, but by this point he'd been moved to the actual prison. Um, He'd been moved out of home prison and he'd been moved into an actual actual prison. Uh, From what I've read and from what I understand, it's likely that this was kind of a cave uh, in a in a hillside or some sort, it likely had a hole in the top that let light through, and that was about all the light he had. So bad luck once the sun had gone past that hole. That hole was used to drop down some food, um, but that was basically all he had. He had no human contact, uh, and he knew that his time was coming when he was going to be sentenced to death. Or he'd already been sentenced, but he was going to be taken to die. Um, And so he writes this last letter to Timothy, his favourite son, his favourite disciple, uh, the one that he spent time with, the one that he loved so dearly. And he wrote a message of encouragement and exhortation uh, 
It's more of a personal letter to Timothy rather than a letter to the church at whole, but it does have encouragement and things that we get to pull out of it this morning. So as we open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, let me pray. Lord God, as we open your word this morning, may you open our hearts to hear what it is that you have to say to each of us. Um, May you help us to know how it is that you want to apply this to our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me. Otherwise, uh, follow along on the screen. It is going to be a slightly different version. I'm very into the Passion version of the Bible at the moment. It's a really good translation. So I'm going to be reading from that. Um, But if you have another version, you can follow along with that as well. But the words will be up on the screen. Picking up in verse 8. So never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor be embarrassed over my imprisonment, but overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. He gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good we have done, but by his divine pleasure and marvellous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus even before time began. This is a plan that didn't start when Timothy, sorry, when Paul was sitting in a jail cell. This plan started before time even began. Before time even began. This truth is now being unveiled by the revelation of the anointed Jesus, our life giver who has dismantled death, obliterating all its effects on our lives and has manifested his immortal life in us by the gospel. That means that we have Jesus' eternal life in us through his gospel. And his anointed and he has anointed me as a preacher, his apostle, and his teacher of truth to the nations. The confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame, for I have an intimate relation revelation of this God. And my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able to keep all that I have placed in his hands safe and secure until the fullness of his appearing. Allow the healing words you have heard from me to live in you, to live in you and make them a model for your life as your faith and love for the anointed one grow even more. How cool is that passage? This passage is so full of encouragement, but it's also filled with uh, some really sound teaching as well. You see, Paul is about to die for his testimony, which is the testimony of our Lord. And he wants Timothy to emulate his courage. You see, Paul's not going to, uh, to his death with fear. Paul is going to his death with courage. And it's his courageous faith that is leading him to keep his eyes fixed on Christ. You know, today we have sanitised Jesus and we have disinfected the cross, making it far too safe and far too pretty. But, it, but in the day that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, it would seem strange indeed to follow a crucified man uh, who had, and to call him your saviour. Why on earth 
would you do that? Think of Jesus' teachings. If you want to be great, be a servant of all. Be like a child, like a slave. Be, young, be like the younger, like the last and not the first. This is a testimony that so many would have been ashamed of. And Paul directly says to Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Paul knew that the plan for God in Jesus Christ seemed both foolish to many, but he also knew that it was a living, active power of God to save souls and transform lives. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel and he wouldn't let Timothy be either. And he doesn't want us to be ashamed today. The very verse before this passage uh, is, it says uh, in verse 7, just before the passage that I got to preach on, there's a little verse because uh, this passage starts with the word so, or in the NIV, it starts with the word therefore, which means that it relates to the verse directly before it. And the verse directly before it says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, he told Timothy how to let God guide his thinking. He said, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of my gospel. That is the bottom line. If you walk away from this morning remembering nothing else, remember this, don't be ashamed of the gospel. You have been given a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You have been saved and called. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You have been given grace. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You have a purpose. I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced shame I don't know, uh, like for me, occasionally when my daughter chooses to dress herself and goes outside in gumboots and a tutu and a crown, you think, I don't think you're mine. Or maybe she is. Maybe that's a little bit too close to home. Or maybe uh, you've been ashamed because, again, like me, you follow a sporting team that didn't win a premiership for far too long. Melbourne, you took a long time to come to the party. All right? The demons were a little bit late to the football game. 1964 until 2021? Two, I can't even remember. Melbourne was a little bit shameful to follow you for a period of time because you weren't a great football team. But it's all right, you've come back. You're playing all right at the moment, although sometimes you still forget to play. But I wonder if you've ever been ashamed to call yourself a follower of Christ? Have you ever seen someone doing something in the name of Jesus and thought that doesn't line up with a spirit of power or love or a sound mind? One such experience I had was when I was in my 20s. I went on a tour 
of Europe, as many Aussies tend to do. And I did one of those whirlwind 28 days, 26 countries, and, and we went everywhere. But one of the places we went to was uh, we, were, we, we were taken on a tour of Auschwitz and Birkenau. And I know not all of World War II was fought in the name of Christ, but I do know that many wars over the years have been fought in the name of Christianity. And I do know in part that Hitler referred to himself as a Christian and said that he was doing these things in part in the name of God. And as I walked through under the, uh, under the, the sign at Auschwitz that says your work will set you free, and as I walked into rooms and I saw walls, full-length walls filled with people's hair that had been cut off and another glass cabinet full-length filled with shoes and people's luggage with their precious things that they had brought with them. I felt ashamed that someone could do that in the name of Christ. That day that we went there, we were called to pick up, or we were asked, we could, we could pick up a stone. And this stone comes from Auschwitz. And it's a stone that I've taken with me and I've carried with me through times when it's been really tough, when I've had seasons where things have been hard or when I know that I've been going into a hard experience. And I've taken this stone with me as a reminder that, Things can get really tough. But also that there's hope if we don't forget. You see, this Bible that Paul calls us not to be ashamed of has been used to divide and to separate, which is not something that is of power or love or a sound mind. This Bible has been used to keep women off the pulpit it has been used to keep people separated. It has been used to fight wars. It has been used to tear people down instead of building them up in power and love and a sound mind. You see, this is what Paul said not to be ashamed of. He didn't say, don't be ashamed when people are being idiots. He didn't say, don't be ashamed when people are using my name for something that is not of power or love or a sound mind. He said, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And the gospel is this. The gospel is that Jesus said, all are welcome. In a world that said that children and women had no value, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. In a world that said that the women had no vote or no value or no rights, Jesus said, I heal you and I set you free, my child. Come, follow me. Come, be a part of what I am doing because what I am doing is power and love and a sound mind. What I am doing is inclusive. The moment we see things that say that you cannot be a part of this, that is not part of God because God is a God of love and God is a God that says, let the little children come to me. When his disciples said, no, 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 go away, don't bother him. Jesus said, come, bother me. Bother me with your small things that you think are in, insignificant. Because to me, they're significant. To me, you are significant. 
You are significant. This is the gospel that we have been called to not be ashamed of. Does that make sense? Nice. I'm glad I'm making sense. Even as I talk without my hands, it's very hard. Uh, So let's just unpack three things this morning, three core truths that we can pull uh, from this passage. The first one is, don't be ashamed. You have been called and saved. In verse 9, he says, he gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by our... Drew drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes people come up to me and they say, I don't have a cool conversion story. Now, I have a distinct moment in my life that I know where I stood outside my friend's house by his birdbath on the 21st of December, 1998, and I gave my life to Christ. And I can picture that moment and I can go back to that moment and I can say, I was called and I was saved. If you don't have a distinct moment, that's okay. Maybe it's because you've known Jesus all your life. Do you know how lucky you are? Do you know how lucky you are that you have had Jesus in your heart since you were a tiny person? I love that I get to watch my children uh, discover their faith and discover the innocence of them going, Jesus is in my heart because I invited him to live there. Like when my daughter turned around to my son because he'd said something mean to her and he said, you hurt my heart, you hurt Jesus. She knows the simplicity of her faith. She knows that she has been saved and she has been called. And she is called a daughter of the king. And if you ask her, she will tell you that she is a princess. But so are we. Because we are daughters and sons of the king. You have been called and you have been saved. Don't be ashamed. Our next point, don't be ashamed. You have been given grace. You see, the gospel that Paul gave everything for and imparted to Timothy is a gospel of grace. It says it is not by our works, but by his divine pleasure and marvellous grace that that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus. And it was since the beginning of time. It was not then, nor will it ever be, an easy gospel, free of pain and suffering. In fact, from the very inception of the gospel, we see pain and suffering. Jesus experienced pain and suffering when he went to the cross, when the night before he sat pleading with, Jesus, with God in a garden saying, take this cup from me, but if not my will, then your will be done. We have been given unconditional love and grace. Do you need that grace afresh this morning? Do you know that there is nothing you can do to make God love you more, but equally there is nothing you can do to make him love you less? 
you have been given grace, unconditional, unmerited favour, totally undeserved, but entirely given. And finally, you have been, do not be ashamed, you have been given a purpose. Paul says in verse 12, the confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. Now, Paul knew his calling. Paul knew what he was there to do. He knew that he was a preacher and he was an apostle. He knew that he was meant to spread the gospel. But do you know what? Whether you are an upfront preacher, whether you are somebody who would rather just never have a microphone in their hand ever in their life, and that would be a wonderful thing, you've still been given a purpose to share God's power and love with a sound mind. We all are called to preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. People watch what you do. People watch how you live. The people in Timothy's community watched him. They saw the legacy that had been handed down from his mother and his grandmother and now lived in him. They knew who he was and they watched him for how to live out their life in Christ. You know what? We're about to launch Alpha and I'm sure there are people in your world who look at you and they know that something is different because of the way you live, because of the power and love that you live in, that you have through Jesus, can you invite them? Start praying now in the four or five weeks before we start. Who can you invite? Or maybe you might say, look, I don't necessarily have anyone to invite, but I would love to be on a table and to help people unpack what it means to follow Jesus. I reckon, and so does Paul Crothers, not Paul my husband or Paul the guy who wrote the book, but Paul Crothers also thinks that everyone should do the Alpha course every five to ten years just as a refresher of what is this gospel that we go on about. It's really easy to get lost in the things that the world says that, you know, there's, there's things happening in America right now in the name of Jesus that you just go, really not sure that's what Jesus was on about. And there are times that the Bible has been used and misused to tear people down. The only way you can know that is if you know what the foundation is. Can I encourage you this morning that you have been given a purpose? You have been given power and love and a sound mind. I'm going to invite the, the band up now, uh, the band, Stephen Barry. How good are they, can I just say? They're filling this place this morning with the Holy Spirit. It's so good. Um, as I was preparing this message, um, a song kept coming into my head. It's not the one we're going to sing, but I am going to share. We are going to sing another one. Um, the, the lyrics of this song that to me just broke down part of what the gospel is about. It says, it's so unusual, it's frightening. You see right through the mess inside me and you call me out to pull me in and tell me I can start again and I don't need to keep on hiding. We don't need to be ashamed. I'm fully known and loved by you. You won't let go, 
no matter what I do. It's, and it's not one or the other. It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known and loved by you. You see, we are all called to be ambassadors of Jesus, to stand tall for him, not ashamed, but in his power. Once I start to think of the gospel as power rather than theory, I am humbled by how much deeper I have to go in terms of inviting and receiving that power. I want to declare with Paul that I am not ashamed of the gospel, but I know about its deeper life transformation. I want to stand in the power of Jesus and not turn away or get when life gets tough. I want the hard truth and ridiculous grace. Do you want that this morning? Hard truth and ridiculous grace? Maybe it's the first time you're opening your heart to Jesus or maybe it's the hundredth time you're welcoming him back. Can I encourage you if something has pulled at your heartstrings this morning, uh, not to be ashamed, but to stand up and maybe come forward for some prayer. Especially if it's the first time that you are doing this, can I encourage you just to uh, stand firm, to hold firm to the truth that God has for you, for the power and love and a sound mind. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are a God of love. You are a God of grace and you are a God who has called us and saved us and given us a purpose. Help us, Lord, to stand firm in your truth, to not be swayed by things that may seem like they are of you, Lord, but when we put them through the filter of love and power and a sound mind, we know that they are not. Help us, Lord, when we may seem like uh, it's tricky to follow you. Help us not to be ashamed but help us to stand tall and proud, knowing that we are loved, fully loved by you. Amen.